0: Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson and his wife Carlotta and daughter Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctors, rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, let me share with you an incident that occurred some years ago. My phone rang at about 4 a.m., which at that time in my medical career was not unusual. Folks would call me in the middle of the night with everything from earaches to sore throats to elevated blood sugar to asthma attacks. Phone calls in the middle of the night were not uncommon. But this patient called me, and you have to understand, he is was bipolar, still is bipolar, um, and it was not unusual for him to, to be up two or three days in a row without sleeping. So he calls me in the middle of the night and he tells me that he's been discussing the Bible with his brother. And he wants me to come to his home at 4 a.m. and share the gospel with his brother, with whom he has been discussing the scriptures for almost the entire night. So I ask my patient let's just call him Rodney I say Rodney you've been in my Sunday school class for two and a half years now you've heard me share the gospel multiple times in that Sunday school class can you not share the gospel with your brother yourself to which he responded well of course I can but I just think you would do a much better job well now what was Rodney's issue here well, I think he was having a little bit of an identity crisis. Rodney didn't fully understand who he was in Christ. And I want you to remember this because I'm going to come back to this in a few moments. Today, I want to share a scripture verse with you that we often overlook during the Christmas season. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 19, there's a scripture where an angel addresses mary the mother of jesus and he says i am gabriel i stand in the presence of god i am gabriel i stand in the presence of god what what an audacious statement what a braggadocious statement how preposterous how unbelievable What a fantastic statement. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Now, you and I have become inured to such fantastic statements because of your exposure to the Scripture, where fantastical claims such as this are really commonplace. We have become accustomed. We're not amazed or disturbed or really in awe of statements like this. But what about the outsider looking in? What about the unbeliever who's examining the pages of Scripture for the very first time? What must they think of a statement like this? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. What must this sound like to his unillumined mind? How bizarre must this be to the uninitiated, to whom this is all new and somewhat enigmatic, somewhat mystical. But you know, this is not the only thing in Scripture that sounds mystical or enigmatic. Think about in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and Enoch was not because God took him. <laughs> That's crazy talk. If you're an unbeliever and you're looking at the pages of Scripture for the first time, how fantastic a claim is that? But then look at Exodus chapter 22 where Balaam is riding a donkey. They're confronted by an angel, and the donkey crushes his leg against a wall, and Balaam begins to beat his donkey. And then the donkey turns around and talks to him. How bizarre is that? Now, when I was in college one time, I was sitting studying one day, and my roommate, he and I were both baby Christians at the time, he was actually reading this story about Balaam. And he looks at me, and he says, You reckon that really happened? And then he stopped and looked at me and he said, yeah, I reckon it did happen. You see, (laughs) it's an incredulous story. But my roommate reached that point in his spiritual journey where he had to make a decision. Was he going to believe these fantastic stories that are in the Bible? Or was he going to reject it? He came to that jumping off place where he had to choose to believe divine revelation. He had to choose to believe the supernatural element in the scriptures. And he made that choice. And he's been in Christian ministry going on 40 years now. But think about Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, where he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And not only that, he saw the seraphim with six wings. With two he covered his feet, with two he covered his face, and with two he flew. And the, and the, 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 the room where God was was filled with smoke, and the, the threshold there trembled. Now, just think if you're an outsider looking in, reading this for the very first time, what would you think about that? How bizarre would that be? How preposterous? Would that be? And then think about John in his gospel. When he says that there was a man who was sent from God and his name was John. Not talking about himself. He was talking about John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. The man that was prophesied in the Old Testament who would come before Messiah. That's an amazing claim all to itself. And then if that was not outlandish enough in in John chapter 11 verse 25 and 26 Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life he who lives and believes in me though he were dead yet shall he live Oh my goodness gracious just think what somebody who's never been born again into the kingdom of God who read the words of Jesus, must think. They must think that is unbelievable, preposterous, fantastical. So what what does all of this sound like to the uninitiated, the outsider, the spiritually blind? How fantastic and unbelievable it must be the degree to which these statements are believable or unbelievable depend upon three things. Let's go through these quickly. First of all, it depends on presuppositions. You see, all of us approach life with presuppositions, whether we realize it or not, whether we admit it or not. We all have presuppositions. If your world view... The world, your worldview is that grid through which you look at life. If your worldview excludes any possibility of the divine or divine intervention in the affairs of men and nations, then these statements that Christians accept and ponder and pray over are implausible. They're impossible. They're fantastic. They're laughable. But if on the other hand, your worldview allows for the existence of a divine creator and sustainer of the universe, a redeemer who actively involves himself in the affairs of planet Earth, then these statements are not ridiculous, but are plausible. They're probable, and they're worthy of serious consideration. Now, not just our worldview, but also we have to take into consideration illumination. Now, that's the word that theologians use to describe the activity of Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. The Scripture makes it plain that apart from the ministry of Holy Spirit, the teaching ministry of Holy Spirit, that we are darkened in our understanding. You see, Holy Spirit came to guide us into all truth. The unregenerate mind, the natural man, cannot accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. You see, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church, and he was explaining to them why the lost man, the natural man, could not accept the things of the Spirit of God. And he says it's because they are foolishness to him. And you understand that. You've tried to explain spiritual concepts, spiritual precepts to people who are spiritually dead and spiritually blind, and they mocked you. They ridiculed you. Why? Because these concepts are foolishness to the natural man. Neither can he understand them because they are only understood when the Spirit of God Impart spiritual illumination to our hearts and minds. What you and I as Christian folks accept without question and without challenge is only because of Holy Spirit illumination in our hearts and minds. It's only because of the activity and the teaching of Holy Spirit in our lives. Without that Holy Spirit activity... Those outside the body of Christ will be skeptical of even the basics of Scripture that you and I understand and accept as fundamental. Listen to me. The natural mind, that's the mind of a lost man, balks at the very notion of angels intervening in the affairs of men. The natural mind balks at the notion of a donkey talking. The natural mind cannot accept miracles. The natural mind rejects the notion of a God-man, rejects the idea of eternal life. And it's not that they don't want to, it's just that they cannot. It's a spiritual impossibility. Without Holy Spirit enabling them to understand and receive it. Now, the third thing is this. You and I as Christian folks have had frequent and prolonged exposure to the scriptures. You've grown up with it. Some of you, since you were bed babies in the nursery at your church where you grew up, have been hearing the Christmas story. You've heard the gospel message. You've been taught all the stories that are in the scripture. And you're not amazed. You're not impressed. Because you've grown up with these fantastic statements. And to us, they lose their awe and their wonder. Because you've heard it so often. Perhaps we should ask for new eyes. We should ask Holy Spirit to give us spiritual eyes or even the objective look of an outsider looking in so we can appreciate the wonder of the things that we read in the Holy Scriptures so that we can appreciate the supernatural content of what is happening and what is being said. I pray that every year when I come to the Christmas story. I pray the Holy Spirit, give me eyes to see afresh. When I read about Gabriel speaking to Mary, when I hear about Zachariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist, when I hear about the angels appearing in a heavenly choir and the shepherds going to Bethlehem to, to speak and look for the newborn babe lying in a manger, When I see these things, I pray every year that God would give me fresh eyes and a fresh heart to understand the majesty and the magnitude of God becoming a man and entering into the earthly sphere. We're not just jaded or cynical. Sometimes the familiarity breeds a little bit of contempt for the story. And we don't hold these truths in the high esteem that they deserve nor do we see them with objective eyes. And I suggest, brothers and sisters, that we should pray that God would give us new eyes, spiritual eyes, to see and understand the majesty and the beauty of the stories in the Scripture that we read sometimes with with a little bit of cynicism. Now that brings me to my main point. Gabriel said... I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. Now, this man was an angel. He wasn't really a man. He was an angel, but he he understood who he was. He had no identity crisis, as did my patient Rodney, who called me at 4 a.m. in the morning. Gabriel understood clearly who he was, He understood his authority, he understood his position, and he understood clearly his message. Now, do you realize that the Bible says some fairly preposterous and amazing things about you and me? About who we are? What is our position in the Lord Jesus Christ? What is our authority and what is our message? And that it's imperative that you and I clearly understand our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Gabriel understood his position, his authority, his message. And it's imperative that we have a clear picture of who we are. Now, listen to this. I am Robert and I walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies me from all sin. That's First John chapter 1 and verse 7. You can say the very same thing about yourself if you have been born again into the kingdom of God. Just put your name in that sentence. I am, put your name there, and i walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies me from all sin. Now, if you're not a believer, that's a fantastic claim. It's preposterous, but listen, if you've been born again into the kingdom of God and the spirit of God illumines your mind and your understanding, you know, that's true and you know, that's true about you. Here's another one. I am Robert. And I have been made the righteousness of God in him. First Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's a spiritual truth. You write it down. Put your hand over your heart. Pat your heart and say, I am the righteousness of God in him. Now, you may not feel that that's true, but brothers and sisters, that is a rock solid biblical truth. That's the other side of the spiritual salvation coin. On the one side of the coin, Jesus washes away your sin. And on the other side, he gives you his righteousness as a free gift. Theologians call it imputed righteousness. And that's very true about you and me. You can write it down. Number three, I am Robert. I once was dead, but now I live. I once was blind, but now I see. Put your name in that blank? I once was dead, but now I live. I once was blind, but now I see. What about this one? I am Robert. I have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Colossians 1.13 So you see, brothers and sisters, that's true of you. That's true of me. That's true of every Christian once they come into the kingdom of God. What about this one? I am Robert. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 Oh, how I love that truth. It's so critical for you and me to understand the importance of having been crucified alongside Christ. The old man is dead. The new man lives. And it's not me that lives, but it's Jesus Christ who lives in me and through me. What about this one? I am Robert. I have put on the new man created in Christ Jesus to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And lastly, I am Robert. I have been washed in the blood of the lamb and my name is written down in the lamb's book of life. And he, the lamb has prepared for me a dwelling place in his father's house. Oh, that is so true. That's true for you. And it's true for me. And you see, that's our position in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what gives us authority in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, I, Robert Jackson, claim these biblical truths for myself. This is my Christian identity. Although it may seem fantastic and implausible to outsiders, to unbelievers, and although I may not always live up to the reality of my true identity in Christ, nevertheless, I stand on these amazing, fantastic biblical claims. It is who I am in Christ. It is my true identity. It is my inheritance as a member of the body of Christ, a child of the king, a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to Gabriel. You see, Gabriel didn't have any kind of identity crisis. He clearly stated who he was, who he represented, And what his message was. He knew his qualifications. He was clear about his message. And somehow he must have minimized his glory. Because everywhere in scripture when an angel manifested themselves. Folks fell on the ground as if they were dead. Mary on the other hand was merely afraid. So Gabriel must have cloaked his glory in some manner when he appeared before Mary. But He delivered His message to her clearly and without hesitation. You see, He was confident and comfortable in His role as God's messenger. May the Holy Spirit give us an appreciation for the amazing statements that are true about us. And may He give us faith to appreciate the privilege of our new person and our position in Christ and grace to confidently and comfortably walk it out and to live it out before our family and our friends. Although an angel, now pay attention, although an angel may stand in the presence of God, although an angel may worship God, although an angel may serve as God's, messenger no angel knows or comprehends what it means to be redeemed by the blood of the lamb just like you and me no angel knows what it means to have their sins removed as far as the east is from the west and remembered against them no more Although an angel may stand in the presence of God, no angel knows what it is to be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, as you and I have been. Although an angel may worship God, none of them knows what it is to be made a member of God's family and to be a child of the true King, as you and I have been made children of, the, of God. Although an angel may serve as God's messenger, no angel knows what it is to be made a citizen of heaven and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ, as have you and I. No angel knows what it is to be indwelt by Holy Spirit and sealed until the day of redemption, as has every Christian. And no angel knows what it is to be a temple of Holy Spirit. Just like Gabriel, who stood in the presence of God, you and I can kneel every day, sit or stand, or prostrate ourselves in the very presence of Holy God any day and hear Him speak directly to us through His Holy Word. Therefore, we carry the message of God's redemption of man just as certainly as Gabriel did, but with great personal authority and greater personal intimacy because you see, we are family. We are part of the family of God and no angel will ever know that. For you see, He has only heard about the redemption plan. You and I, brothers and sisters, have personally experienced God's redemptive plan. And here's the challenge. You and I have stood in the presence of God. We are personally related. And God has given us a message. And we can be the ambassadors of God. Joy to the world. Let us take that joyful message that Jesus has brought joy into the world. Let us take it to our friends, our neighbors, and our family. No identity crisis. We know who we are. We know who we represent. We know our authority and our position. And let us take that message to a lost world. This is Dr. Robert Jackson. You're listening to More Than Medicine. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.